Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion On Air podcast. This podcast is a program of the Association of American Veterinary Medical College's Diversity Matters Initiative. The podcast explores various issues related to diversity and inclusion in the veterinary profession and provides the AAVMC an opportunity to offer ongoing diversity programming for our member institutions as well as all veterinary professionals. My name is Lisa Greenhill and I'm the Senior Director for Institutional Research and Diversity at the AAVMC. On today's bonus mini episode, we'll be talking about women's history in veterinary medicine. And I am delighted and excited to be joined by two amazing colleagues, Julie Cumble and Rachel Cesar. And so we're going to sit down and chat a bit about some trends that are going on in veterinary medicine related to gender, some wonderful uh, history related to women in the profession, and kind of looking forward to kind of see what's on the horizon for women and leadership in particular. So as we do on every show, we're going to get started by asking our guests to do a brief introduction. So Julia, we're going to start with you. Great. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. I'm honored. Just briefly, I started working in veterinary medicine about five years ago when I joined forces with our colleague, Dr. Don Smith, Dean Emeritus of Cornell. My life changed because prior to that, I had been in the foundation world, the world of philanthropy, working on a, in a women's foundation on political leadership, getting women to, into elected office. And Don and I quickly started sharing notes about our respective professions, and we collaborated so about five years ago. I came into this profession with a real interest in women's leadership and became really quickly enamored of so many people in this profession who care about leadership in general. The profession happens to be female dominated. So women's leadership is an unusual topic in a profession where women make up the majority. Typically when you think about leadership, you're thinking about a minority population. So it really frames equity and leadership in a different way. And it's been thrilling to be part of it. My background, like I said, is has been in philanthropy and community organizing in organizational development, most recently in the last 10 years in leadership. I have a master's in education and organizational development from University of Massachusetts, which does not have a veterinary school, but does have a robust pre-vet program and closest vet school here is Tufts. And that's enough about me. All right. Thanks so much. Rachel. All right, great. Well, thank you, Lisa, for inviting me as well to this podcast. I really do appreciate that. So a bit about me. I graduated from the College of Veterinary Medicine, Michigan State University in 2002. I actually began my stint in government veterinary medicine in 2004. The first two years after veterinary school, I ended up working in private practice in equine medicine in Kentucky and Dubai for a little while. However, I got the passion and love for government veterinary medicine while I was in school doing student internship with them. So I've been with the government since. My first eight years pretty much with them, I worked in the most high profile program in the agency, which was the horse protection program. I actually am now not in that any longer. I am in a program that is more international-wide, so I'm the director of live animal imports, which is very exciting. I really enjoy doing that now. 
And I also get to do on the side of things is like to do um, be involved in organized veterinary medicine. And so I get to be a part of the American Veterinary Medical Association. I get to sit on the House of Delegates to represent the District of Columbia Veterinary Medical Association, as well as I'm the chair of the Leadership Development Committee for American Association of Equine Practitioners. And the most exciting thing that I get to do right now is that I'm the president of the Women's Veterinary Leadership Development Initiative. And actually, even more exciting than those three things is that I am a wife of a police officer of DC, as well as I'm a 40-year-old mom of a two-year-old. Thank you so much for both of you. So why don't we jump in? So we know now the AVMA did an article in JAVMA in, I believe, 2007 that said, you know, it was the year of the woman and that was the year that they anticipated or expected women to make up more or at least half of the professional populations, right, or actively members of AVMA. So since then, certainly we've seen a lot of efforts to include more women in leadership. My work, of course, has focused more on academia, and we're seeing more women ascend to deanships and associate deanships and chairs. There's still a lot of work to be done there, but certainly, Rachel, as a House of Delegates member, and in various leadership positions and organized veterinary medicine, kind of what seems to be the current trend in organized veterinary medicine with respect to women. We know that, of course, now we have Dr. Donlin, Janet Donlin, who's um, the CEO of, of AVMA, but these are very visible women. Is that truly representative of women in leadership in the profession? I would say not at this time, no. There still is a a huge need, especially with the percentage of women that are graduating from veterinary schools and that are practicing or, you know, in our profession now, we do have more of a percentage of male that are in leadership positions. It's very few still that are, that female are in the leadership positions. And, and that's why we have these certain initiatives in place, you know, to try to to have women encourage them to move forward into these leadership positions and and recognize you know the need for it and understand you know why why we are all wanting to be involved in organized veterinary medicine and and why it's important to do that the reason why i ended up getting involved in organized veterinary medicine was because of being a part of a high profile program in the government I recognized how important it was to veterinary medicine, especially in an animal welfare aspect and how they were really supporting us. And to and we ended up having to all work together um, to make sure that we could get to the same goal. And that's when I realized like, wow, it's really important that as the veterinary profession all work together to, to recognize that veterinary oath is important to all of us. So, so I, I realize um, how important it is to, to do that. Julie, I know that you and Dr. Don Smith, former dean at Cornell, have done some amazing work in women's leadership. And certainly he was an amazing historian and really kind of focused a lot on diversity and particularly women. Can you tell us a little bit about some of that work and some of the trends and things that, that you've seen over your time working on some of those projects? Yeah, thanks for the tribute to... Don, he, he really was 
the history guy, Don Smith, the history guy, and his blog is still up. It's got over two, close to 230,000 hits. He chronicled women, African-Americans, all sorts of minorities in veterinary medicine. And I wouldn't do justice to his history work, but I would encourage listeners to go to Veterinary Legacy, exactly, and, and just search at veterinarylegacy.blogspot. So he was uh, really a forerunner and chronicling the, the early women. And of course, he was affiliated with Cornell. So there's some real standouts there in the early 30s, which is pretty interesting because history does play a role. And during the Depression, women came in and during the war, more seats opened up during uh, World War II and again during the Vietnam War. And some of those women who were able to kind of come in when those quotas, which they were, mm-hmm. opened up, went on to have really illustrious careers and, and did become trailblazers. You know, when we were talking about Rachel's uh, crazy life, doing everything that she does, these trailblazers did the same. And it's interesting because often they sort of expected the next wave of women to, ha- you know, sacrifice it all the way they had to. And, and so mm-hmm. now at this stage, we're, we're kind of coming together as generations to say that, you know what, it doesn't have to be as crazy making. And as a trailblazer, they were, as trailblazers, they were outliers and they, you know, really widened the path for others. But now people can kind of carve their own path and figure out the, the best way to do it. They don't have to entirely sacrifice it all. Back in the day, but women were rejected because they thought they'd be taking a man's seat or they weren't going to put fully into their career afterwards. They'd be throwing it away. And some of the reasons that schools gave were, were pretty amazing. You know, like you're just, um, you're not going to have longevity in the career because you're going to go have kids. And, and, you know, these women had to prove them wrong. Dr. Don Smith, he wrote very eloquently about these, these trailblazers and pioneers and and just to continue for a minute, we were able to capture some of these these earlier pioneers and some of the later people in our book, which is just coming out in a couple of weeks, and it couldn't be more appropriate. We didn't time it this way, but it's coming out during this <laughs> month of March. Um, awesome. Yeah, Leaders of the Pack, Women in the Future of Veterinary Medicine. Nice. We really do go into the themes that contribute to women's success and the different, the many, many different ways that women can be successful and be leaders. One of my early uh, ahas was, I'll never forget this, interviewing some students at Tufts several years ago about leadership. And I had a kind of a preconceived notion of what leadership meant in terms of clinical practice. It meant being a practice owner. These students were saying, you know what? Some said, yes, I want to be a practice owner. And others said, that's not how I see my future. I see myself as being very successful and making an impact and having influence, but that's not how I define leadership. We really had to step back and say, okay, so let's take a broader view of what is leadership, what is success, what is happiness, right? Absolutely. And um, in fact, there's a chapter called Leadership, Success, and the Happiness Quotient um, about the different pressures that affect leadership that are uniquely women, for mm-hmm. example, childbearing and the time that you take off to do that or the time you don't take off, you know, things like leave programs, paid leave or non-paid leave types of programs. Just women have different career paths, not to say they can't do it the traditional sort of straight and narrow way, but how come our systems are still built around the, you know, male model of you just work, 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 and you have the supports at home and never have to or want to take 
time off. And now with women and, and younger guys, they want a different type of life. And it's not lack of ambition and it's not, you know, lack of seriousness. It's just a different approach. And, and I think those kinds of things are really important to this kind of conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that oftentimes we do have this kind of iconic image of what successful looks like, but I think it it is a very personal decision about what is success and what does success look like. You know, we've seen lots of literature come out. I'm looking forward to reading your and Don's book. Certainly, you know, we're still kind of living in the post-lean-in era (laughs) of like, get it done, do it, lean in, just work harder to get to the corner office and all of those types of things. There's a new book actually that just came out called Drop the Ball. And the author talks about um, this really probably should have been the book before Lean In saying, in order to lean in, you really have to drop the ball. Like you can't do everything. Everything is impossible, right? So being average in your life in some areas is more than okay. (laughs) Or maybe you can't do everything, but you can't do... You can't have it all at once. And, that, you know, that sounds like right. an obvious cliche, but a lot of, I think the message has been to be the superwoman and it puts an inordinate amount of stress on people, but you can, you know, take, sort of have a vision of what your life might be. Now you're doing this, next you'll do this. And one of the big messages in, in the book is just say, just be open to opportunities that aren't on, on your plan. You know, so many of the women who, consider themselves leaders and really have made big influence, big influences for others are people who just followed an opportunity. Lila Miller, Dr. Lila Miller followed opportunities. Linda Jacobson. I mean, I'm not going to name everybody, but they, they went with things that weren't part of the plan. And that has been the most rewarding and rich things that they could have done for themselves. So I'd like to, to ask you both, and I'll start with Rachel, who are some of the big women veterinarians that you've looked up to, past and present? I would definitely not be part of Vivaldi without Karen Bradley. She definitely has been someone that I've looked up to very much so, because she is, her drive, her energy has really pushed me to like continue to being part of this initiative. So she's actually the one who's pushed me to move forward to into this presidency. And as you notice, you know, like how I'm, I am involved with many things. However, it's not that I, I, I'm not doing it by myself. I have a lot of support to do them all. Like, and, and that's what's nice. And that's what she made me realize as well, is that like, make sure that I utilize, you know, the board that I have on this initiative. So, and that's what I'm doing. I'm making sure that, you know, I'm delegating as much as possible to everyone and realizing that's what I'm going to do. It's not going to be all about me at all. <laughs> and and that's what I do, even within my family. Like, Bubba is with my niece right now. <laughs> so, so it's like, that's what we have to do, you know, share the wealth. But definitely Karen and Dr. Ruby Perry, her, her drive, her push. She's the dean at Tuskegee. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be veterinarian without her because she actually interviewed me for veterinary school. So she has always pushed me all the way through veterinary school and still do. Every time I see her, if I tell her something's I'm down or something's wrong, she pushes me back up. So she's always someone that is always there and be able to keep that energy alive. So definitely those, those are two individuals for sure that I've always looked up to. 
And Julie, I'm sure you've met a lot of women along the way, but also looking at some of Dawn's work, who are some of those, those folks that, you know, have really touched you? Well, I can't stress enough what a privilege it's been to meet veterinarians who have been so generous, you know, welcoming me, a non-veterinarian, into the profession and telling me that we need to collaborate and we need your perspective. It's been one of the a really, truly humbling experience to, be, to see how open folks are into working across professions. Maybe it's the One Health mentality. But I, I really couldn't echo Rachel enough in shouting out to Karen and, and uh, Ruby Perry, both wonderful doctors and human beings. Gosh, there are so many people. I think oh, it's hard to it's hard to call out. I, I have fondness for so many. There's a student. Yeah, there's a. Well, let's see. So Nikki Wise, Doctor Doctor Nikki Wise, who's from Grenada, from St. George's University, and is one of the leaders. She's she's really amazing in how much she's committed to giving back to her students and the profession in general. Dr. Valerie Reagan, who's been on Vivaldi and is always pushing people to consider broader careers in government, like Rachel. Dean Kochivar at Tufts is, has such a broad sort of 40,000 foot perspective on the whole profession, you know, as does Eleanor Green. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm naming names, <laughs> but there are hundreds of others that, you know, I'd be... I, I feel like as soon as you, you know who's really also really quite interesting is Dr. Renee Carlson, who was a president of the AVMA and now with the um, International uh, World Veterinary World. Conference. She stresses storytelling and positivity. She's featured in the book. Everybody, everybody has really amazing stories of resiliency and strength and, and generosity in moving it forward. And then there, I just want to say one more person, um, a man who embodies the whole concept of servant leadership, Dr. Tom Johnson, who was with Iowa State University and the State Association and really inculcating the value of servant leadership among female and males alike. And that's, that's my real belief system is, is giving back servant leadership, greater good. He's one of the, one of the heroes in that realm. And that provides a great segue for me. No movement is successful completely on its own without allies. And there have been so many wonderful champions along the way, promoting women, studying women, and really mentoring women through veterinary school and beyond throughout their careers. And we certainly thank them. And at this time, I'd certainly just like to say that we're so honored and pleased to have had an opportunity, each of us, to work with Dr. Don Smith and we are dedicating this particular episode of diversity and inclusion on air to his memory. He was a giant among giants, both in terms of academia more broadly, but certainly his love and passion for the history and the legacy of veterinary medicine and women and minorities in veterinary medicine. We, we couldn't do some of the things that we do without some of his contributions and we are honored to honor him even as Women's History Month, it takes all of us to move the ball down the field. And we are without that champion, And but he will live on through his work and we will continue to build on that. Thanks for saying that. And I know he'd be smiling down on us and, and really be honored to be to have you say that about uh, him. So we're here we are in, in Black History Month in February, stepping into women's history and who what a better champion on both of those scores than 
Don Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, I think we will bring this short episode of diversity and inclusion to an end. Thank you both Julia and Rachel for taking some time to join us to talk about women's history and veterinary medicine. We look forward to doing more programming specifically around gender and equity in the future on this program. Thank you so much and we will see you next time. Thank you.